Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up, to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. I perceive that someone is watching my life uh, even now somewhere in distant land, just a little bit more of that music. As I prophesied, there's someone who is watching my life. Um, you're watching my consistency. You are tuning in. And one of the things that you admire about this, this frame, this dusty frame, is that I stay in the pocket. Sometimes I'm at 100%. And sometimes I'm at 50%, but I stay in the pocket. And I'm inspiring others to do the same. You don't have to be a star to be in God's show. And I want to encourage you, this person who's watching, either in this sanctuary or you're watching live, God is watching you too. And he wants you to be consistent. That which you admire in others should become a practice in your own life. You will outlive your trial if you remain consistent. If you rise up early and lay down late, but when you rise up, fall on your knees, talk to God. And when you lay down, make sure you're saying a prayer. David said, early in the morning I rise, and late at night I call on your name. Stay consistent and God will bless you. To the body of Christ, stay consistent. Don't give up. Don't lose hold on the heavenly call on your life. If you stay consistent, you'll stumble into your purpose. You'll settle in your purpose and you will function in your call. And it is so in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Again, the scripture says in Luke chapter, I'm sorry, Matthew 6, verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed, hallowed be your name. As we deal with Jehovah Makedesh, I pray that you will experience God in a fresh and vibrant, even a dynamic and useful way. We're living in a time where many in this world, many people, citizens on every continent, in every nation, in every providence or state, in every county, in every city, uh, in every community, there are people in this world who are without knowledge of themselves, without knowledge of their life's purpose, they're without knowledge of their call, their heavenly call, and function in the body of Christ or in God. Nor are they mildly familiar, and I want you to hear this, there are many who aren't mildly familiar with their parents or close family members. There's fragmentation and separation when we should be interlocked, infused with our family tree Many of us are separated from our family members. There are men who don't know their fathers, their daughters, young ladies who don't know their fathers or mothers. And if they do know them, it's just the passing 
uh, in the night. All they know is that gifts were given sometimes on Christmas. But there's a lot of pain there. And when there's a break in the natural, there's also frustration in the heavenly. Satan knew this. It's a strong strategy that he uses to keep people from connecting with their purpose. I believe he's raised me up to identify and shine light on these uh, critters and these creatures in the night that hinders people and keeps us locked in eternal childhood. One of our members, uh, uh, Sharon Nelson, lost her husband this week. She has two daughters, um, and uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord. Pray for her uh, as we, as a church, rally around her. She's grieving. And then eventually the grief will begin to lessen. She'll go through the five stages of grief, uh, denial and anger and bargaining and then depression. And then she'll go through accepting the fact that he's gone. But I'm grateful for the, the God that's in the woman because she is facing her fears unflinchingly. And when you lose a loved one, hopefully you have some type of connectivity with somebody else in your family that you can rally around. The connectivity is missing among family members. And the enemy has woven his web very tightly to separate. This message is designed to show you something about your heavenly father. So before I deal with the father, I have to ask you to allow Holy Spirit to deal with the broken relationships that you have. So when I'm teaching about the love of your natural your heavenly father, your natural love won't hinder the message. So, Father, I pray for the softening of the heart in the name of the Lord Jesus and the release in the hearts of your people to release the sins of the father so that the heavenly father's will, power, and love will be felt, seen, and known. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm familiar and I know as a pastor, some things don't just happen because we pronounce it. Some of us are going to have to walk with this word, but I'm releasing it. Everything starts with the word. And if I release the word on your life, I'm believing that God is going to give you the strength, the supernatural ability to let go of the past. We will learn through this message how to draw nearer to God, to experience God by learning his word and his names, his word and his name. And if you're having a baby uh, in the next year or two and you're listening to this message, please don't name them Shawiko Kwaka Waka. Please don't name them some weird name that you have. I just like the way it sounds. Please do research on the name and know what it means and let it have meaning. I wouldn't care if it's Mary, John, or Peter. Make sure you know what it means. I wouldn't care if it's Adam. Don't call him Satan or Lucifer. Please know what the name means because it carries connotation. Glory to God. If the name is Joshua, go ahead. Whatever, biblical name, it's powerful. Make sure you know the name. And if you know the name, you can see and proclaim the attribute of that name to manifest in the life of your children. Let's talk about God revealed. God revealed. Well, when God wanted to be heard, he spoke his word. Okay, we know that God is spirit. 
And they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. So you can't see God with your natural eye, no matter how intense you look. He is spirit. He's a spirit being. He has also given us a human spirit that is dead because of trespasses and sins, especially the sin of Adam. And it's dead inside of you until you awaken it with faith in Jesus Christ. And then that spirit will lay dormant if you won't feed your spirit. The natural mind or the intellectual mind needs intellectual food to sustain intellectual life. The physical body needs physical food to sustain physical life. And your spirit needs spiritual food to sustain spiritual life. Can I get a witness? Oh, yeah, we are having church and we ain't going nowhere. Come on. Come on, Dr. Franklin. When God wanted to be heard, he spoke. And if a father wants to be heard, he can't remain silent. I just don't like it. I don't like conflict. Father has to speak. Father has a silent man will be a defeated man. Abusive man will get his butt beat by the government. So speak and do it with wisdom. So when God wanted to be heard, he spoke. If you wanted to be heard, you got to speak. Number two, when God wanted to be seen, he made a man. <laughs> so let us make man in our image and our likeness. Let him have dominion. When God wanted to be seen, he presented the world a man in his image and in his likeness. He made what we call the first Adam. The first Adam. And in the fullness of time, he made a second Adam when he wanted to be seen. His name is Jesus. So there are two Adams. One is called Adam in Genesis chapter 2 and 3 and on. The second one is the second Adam. Look at Romans chapter 5 and you'll see the second Adam. For where sin abound through the second Adam. Grace does much more abound. When God wanted to be seen, he made a man. When he wanted to be heard, he spoke. And when God wanted to know, he wanted to be known. He gave us his name. And then he sent his spirit into the world. On the day of Pentecost, when it was fully come, they were all in one place, Acts chapter 2, and on one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. When God wanted to be known, he gave us his name. Just like if a man wants to know a woman, he'll ask for her name. What's her name? Well, my name is Sequiqua. What? Who named you that? Were they thinking? Well, we can't blame you because someone else named you. But it's important if you want somebody to know person, it should be indicative of your name. And when you want to be known, you need to make sure they know your name. Not baby, uh, my boo, my dog. No, what's my name? When God wanted to be known, he gave man his name and then sent his spirit. Number four, when God wants you to prosper, he says, believe his word. 
I'm sorry, when God wants you to be established, he says, believe his word. And when God wants you to prosper, he says, believe the prophet. Let me say again, when God wants you to be established, he gives you his word and then he says, apply the word to your life. If you do so, you will be established. But if you want to prosper, you got to believe the prophet. The prophetic word that's released will cause you to prosper. Make sure that the pro- prophet that's prophesying is not prophesying for profit. Make sure they're not trying to blow you up just because you're wearing a nice dress. Just because you're throwing your hand in the air and you can tell, he can tell you want to prophesy. You bought a new dress. You still got the tag on it sitting on the front row waiting for him to call you out. But real prophets don't prophesy to skin color. They don't prophesy to the external. They prophesy the mind of God in a situation. Sometimes it may be contrary to what you want. It's not always in agreement with what you want. And you'll understand better by and by. When God wants you to be established Believe his word and apply it. When God wants you to prosper, believe his prophets and obey the word released. Makedesh, Yahweh, Jehovah, Makedesh, the Lord who sanctifies, sanctifies. So if God wanted to be known, he gives you his name. He wants to be known. We know that the name of Jesus by his, his name, Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's Lord. But he is known by names all through the Bible. This is why there are churches who have divided. You're not saved, some churches believe, unless you're baptized in the name of Jesus only. That's apostolic and you need to know that. Some of you came out of that and you're still trying to listen to that or maybe you need to watch what you do on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day was given to the nation of Israel. Period. Yes it is holy. But it was given to the nation of Israel. Hebrews chapter 4 verse one through four, verses 1 through 4. We know verse 12. For the word is quick and powerful. And sharpened than any double edged sword. But read verse 1, 2, 3, 4. It says the Hebrews did not enter into the rest of the Sabbath. Because they didn't mix the word with faith. It is not a natural day for Gentiles. It is a person in the New Testament. Behold, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you Sabbath. The Sabbath comes through a person. He was a shadow to many of them, but to us he is the light. He's not only the one that died on the cross. He is the day of rest. When you enter into him, you stop struggling, trying to make your peace with God. Jesus has made peace with God for you. This truth will outlive you. It will outlive your guilt and your shame. Glory to God. And so churches have divided because people heard what Peter preached in Acts chapter 2. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus and you will be saved. But who was Peter talking to? He wasn't talking to you. He was talking to Jews from every nation of the world that had come into Jerusalem to offer sacrifices in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. 
They had gathered for the Passover. They were still mingling in the city. And here comes the Holy Spirit greeting them with tongues that, that, and utterances that they knew no man could do on his own. Because they all heard their own language. They all heard their own language on that day. Uh, they were from every part of the world and heard their own language. Holy Ghost was greeting them. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. That on the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh your sons and your daughters will prophesy now if you believe that God brought to pass something that he spoke out of Joel and used Peter you got to believe that Peter was being used of God but he was speaking directly to Jews Repent and be baptized because you are the ones who crucified him. You did not receive him. So if you repent and be baptized in his name, you shall be saved. But we know that Peter was prejudiced when he preached that message. If you showed up and tried to be baptized, he would say, wait a minute. This is not for you. This is for the Jews. It wasn't until Acts chapter 10 when God told him to go to Cornelius' house that he deals with the man's prejudice. Because while he was preaching, before they were baptized, while he was preaching, the Holy Ghost filled and they began to speak with other tongues. Were they saved when the Holy Ghost got inside of them or when they saved before, when they got in the water? I tell you, when the Holy Ghost enters into you, you're saved. So it messed up the formula there. Cornelius didn't have to be baptized in the name of Jesus only, then he would be saved. And the whole paradigm changed. That's why God took a man by the name of Paul and sent him to the Gentiles. And he took Peter and put him right back with the Jews. If I was God, I would say put the educated one over there with the Jews and take the man that used to fish and let him fish for me and all over the world. Because he can identify with them. But a lot of times that's not what the world needs. It doesn't need somebody who's just sitting there talking about, I know the Lord. And he heard my cry and preaching messages. But you got prejudice in your heart. When God brings somebody, even if they look unclean, they don't look like you. They don't know what's going on. They don't look sanctified. You got to say God is able to sanctify them. God can turn stuff around. God can wash a man of his sin. God can turn him away from all of the stuff that he's done. And when the blood hits him, don't you call him unclean. If God sanctified him and made him clean. And when somebody comes to this church, we're not going to turn them away. I don't care what they've done in the past. There is room at the cross for you. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So I wanted you to understand another thing. Uh, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 9, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called. He doesn't say Jesus. His name shall be called what? And it's capitalized. So when you say wonderful, God knows who you're talking about. Counselor, God knows who you're talking about. Mighty God, God knows who you're talking about. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And upon his rule, there will be no end. Because in Hebrew and in Greek, there is no distinction between title and name. Only in English. That's why it was written in Hebrew and that's why it was written in Greek so you can grow English. English comes after those languages. That's why when the Bible was written, it was written in Greek in the New Testament. The most precise language 
And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 28, I want you to go into all the world baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit. There's no distinction between uh, title and name. So when you say Father, he knows who who's you're talking about. When you say Son of God, he knows who you're talking about. When you say Holy Spirit, he knows exactly who you're talking about. So in our church, we cover Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 2. In the name and by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Buried with him in baptism and raised together in newness of life. And people still get hung up. So let's move on. I gave you the truth. Hopefully the Holy Spirit will open you up. That the New Testament Sabbath is a person. And we do baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus, but we don't disannul baptism by saying Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Get over that. God does not hold your salvation and in, in, hold it up because a man didn't pronounce things right. The blood is what really cleanses. Faith in Jesus is what cleanses you of your sins. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I'm ready to teach now. Let's get into this. Let's get after it. Jehovah Makedesh. Say that with me. Jehovah Makedesh. When I'm done today, you're going to remember that name. It's God's name in Hebrew. The Lord who sanctifies. He sanctifies. He sanctifies. I am the Lord who sanctifies. Leviticus chapter 20. Verses 7 and 8. I want to encourage you to read it. It's probably one of the most tedious books to read in the Bible. But read it. You're going to see a systematic way of sanctifying from the Old Testament perspective. You need to know all of those things, those rituals and those laws and rules about sanctification points you to a person. Look at the word in verse 7. Leviticus 20 verse 7. Consecrate yourselves. We're reading right out of the New King James Version of the Bible. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Then in verse 8, and you shall, look at the word, you shall keep my statutes and perform them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Consecrate yourselves. Now, it looks like there's a combination or an infusion of our efforts and God's power to sanctify. Notice, consecrate yourself, for I am the Lord, and you shall keep my statutes. That's a prerequisite for sanctification. Mix it all together. Perform them as well. It's right there in the text. I am the Lord who sanctifies. It looks like then God adds something to the mix. Let's look at the same passage in the New Living Translation. So set yourselves apart. The word to consecrate self is to set oneself apart. How do you do that? That means you have to say within your heart, I'm moving closer to God. I'm no longer tied to this world system. I consecrate or set myself apart from this world. Just do it in your mind. Just say, I'm no longer in this world. I'm not going to follow the course of this world. I'm not going to allow my mind to be conformed to the dictates 
of this world or to be fashioned by what the world says I should do. Turn off TV. Turn off Twitter. Turn off Facebook. Not right now. But turn it off. Not right now. But turn it off sometimes and consecrate or set yourself apart to be holy. To be holy. To move toward God. Now look, notice he says, for I am your God. In other words, when you, when you set yourself apart, you should aim your attention toward God. You're not just saying I can't go to the clubs and I can't drink and I can't do what I used to do. But you set yourself apart, push yourself away from the world and whatever it's saying and then direct your attention toward God. It's just one step. It's not a complete lifestyle. It's just one step. You set yourself apart and aim. Anybody can do that. It's not hard to consecrate. To set oneself apart in your soul for he is holy and aim for God. For I am the Lord your God. Not idol gods, not stuff, not feelings, not emotions. I am your God. Verse 8, keep all my decrees. Keep all my decrees. Whatever I told you to do, I want you to keep it. This is how you set yourself apart. When I say do something, just do it. It's going to be something that you can handle. God didn't put things on us that we can't bear. A lot of us are carrying around burdens that God never intended for us to carry around. When you keep his decrees, you easily deal, I would say more easily, you are able to deal a little bit more than you would if you didn't keep decrees. Keep his decrees, the burdens aren't as heavy. Look at this, keep all my decrees, putting them into practice. And that's what we don't like. Set yourself apart, be holy, to be holy. That means you're aiming because God is God. Then he says, keep my decrees or put what I told you to do into practice. In other words, if I say I want you to pray, just start praying every morning. If I say I want you to fast, you don't fast three days, 15 days, 20 days. Can you give God just breakfast? Fast from breakfast. Just start obeying him and watch what happens. Look at the word, for I am the Lord who makes you holy. It's right there, Leviticus 20, verse 7 and 8, New Living Translation. So set yourself apart to be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep all my decrees and put them in the practice. Put it in the practice. Whatever I told you to do, you can't say I love the Lord and you're not doing what I told you to do. Put it in the practice or obey God and I, for I am the Lord who makes you holy, which means when you do all of that, I'm going to slap another measure on you. When you do all of that, I'm really going to make you holy. You'll never measure up just by keeping decrees and just by putting things into practice. But you have separated yourself. And then when you do all of that, I will sanctify you. I want you to think about sanctification not just as some arduous thing that you have to do and it costs you a lot and you can't do what you used to do and it's boring. You got to think about a nine-year-old, eight-year-old baby girl who's in a really nice restaurant with you, with her father, with her mother, and she throws up on herself. She has a nice dress that you bought 
and she just completely messes it up because she throws up on herself. As a loving parent, what are you going to do? Well, if you love the dress more than you love your child, you're going to yell at them. If you love the dress that you bought more than you love your baby, you're going to get mad and remind them. That's why we have a loving father who knows what to do. Our father would never do that in sanctification. First of all, he's going to make sure you're okay. Don't worry about who's watching. Don't worry about what they say. They're all whispering, but I need you to focus on me. I need you to set yourself apart. In other words, you're going to get away from what you threw up. Push away from it. I just want you to separate. Now look at me. Aim at me. Don't listen to them. No distractions. No distractions. I don't want you to look at anybody but me. Look at me. You hear me? I got you. I need you to obey everything I'm telling you to do right now. I know you're crying and you're embarrassed. I'm going to get you another dress. Same color, same style. But right now I need to clean you up. Now I need you to sit right here. Do exactly what I don't you move because you got stuff on you. And if you move, I'm going to have to clean up every place you walk. If you stand still and do exactly what I'm telling you to do, there won't be a trail of refuge that follows you. Sit right there. So, good father goes to get all of the stuff. Don't give it to the janitor. Don't give it to no one else. He goes and gets it, takes it all up. Wipes off the child while he's speaking to the child. Because I'm the one who sanctifies you. What did you do? All you did is moved away from it. And aimed at me. And I'll clean you up. I want you for a moment to think about an eight-year-old. And I want you to think about what religion has done to many of us. It told us we can't be saved until you do this. And you can't be sanctified until you do that. But they're not coming directly out of the scripture. You can't sanctify yourself. Because if there's error on you, everywhere you walk, you're going to mess it up. Just separate yourself. This is a tool that I want you to start thinking about when you're dealing with grief. You can't carry grief like a cross. You have to separate yourself from it. I can't change that. God, you moved. I accept your hand. I'm hurting, but I separate myself. I consecrate myself. I set myself apart, and I'm looking at you now. I'm not looking at a grave. I'm looking at you. I'm not looking at sorrow. I'm looking at you. I'm not looking at what happened. I'm, looking, I'm aiming at you. My focus is on you. And once my focus is on you, you're going to start with your gentle hand to clean it all up for me. And we'll walk out of this beautiful restaurant that at one time, if I didn't have you, God, I would have been embarrassed and never go there again because of the memories. But because you're with me, I'm going to be able to go get my new clothing, change it all out, and we'll be back there next week. And you're going to teach me how I got in the mess anyway. See, I saw you. I saw you eating all that candy. I saw you playing when you should have been serious. And that particular food that you mixed with the other, 
it didn't work well with your stomach. Plus, you're growing. You're actually growing ahead of time. You're blossoming and you're growing way before time. And you're going to have to watch your diet. And as you do that, you won't have these mix-ups anymore. You'll be able to dine, sit there. You're polite. You understand protocol and order. And you'll enjoy this meal. You're not going to talk while you're eating and mess around. And the wrong thing goes down the wrong pipe. You're going to sit up straight. You're going to put your fork and spoon down and chew. And when you swallow, then you speak. You do what I'm telling you to do, we'll never have to experience this again. It's a relationship. Sanctification is not just, oh, it's hard. I'm going to run for Jesus. If my family don't go, I'm going. You can't sanctify yourself. You need to consecrate yourself. Set yourself apart for he is God. Keep all of his decrees and put them in the practice. And I will sanctify you or make you holy. I will do it. Thank you, Lord. So let's talk for a moment about words, names, and meaning. Yahweh. You can write it down by writing the, the letter H. I'm sorry, Y-H-W-H. Yahweh. It's from the Hebrew, Hava. It means to be or being. Yahweh, self-existing basically. God doesn't need a battery pack. He doesn't have to eat. He doesn't sleep. He's self-existing, always shining like the sun. Sun doesn't plug up into anything. It puts off its own light. That's how God is. He's a supernatural being. Now, many of us can't comprehend that. That's why you need Bible. Yahweh, self-existence, being. It's closely associated with the Hebrew word Shava, meaning to live or life. So when you say Yahweh, you're saying life. Yahweh or Jehovah, life. Life, Makedesh. Being, Makedesh, the source is manifesting as Makedesh. The life is manifesting as Makedesh. The one that's self-existing is manifesting to you as Makedesh. Yahweh Makedesh. Jehovah Makedesh. Makedesh is Hebrew as well. Quadash is the Hebrew. It means ceremonially and morally. Appointed. Ceremonially and morally. In other words, there's a sanctification that is not just the cleaning up of the external, but ceremonially and morally. He goes deeper into the skin and changes perspective. That's that part of sanctification that we can't do on our own. I want you to penetrate yourself deeper into this word. Break through the barrier. There needs to be a deeper penetration, not of the word. Penetrate yourself into it. I need you to dive into it. I need you to get into this word and see it from the inside out. How 
do I really understand Makedish and moral and ceremonial cleaning? Get inside of the word. Well, the Bible says that the works of the flesh are so and so, but the fruit of the spirit are so and so and so and so. These are invisible things to the natural eye, like patience and peace and long suffering. You have to watch a person over a period of time to see them manifest. But the work of the flesh are like uh, uh, attitudes. Pride is an attitude. It's an attitude. You can be proud and never raise your voice. You can be proud and be very polite because it's, it's deeper. It's in the heart. It's a rebellious spirit within the heart of a person. And God wants to deal with it. What we need to stop looking at is what the works of the flesh are, the names of them, and then think we're sanctified because we don't fall in that category. You got to start looking at the spirit that's behind that name. Think deeper. That's why you need to penetrate. Why would God want you to sanctify yourself? Because if you don't sanctify yourself and these manifestations started clinging to your life, you need to know there's a spirit behind pride. There's a spirit behind selfishness. There's a spirit behind wickedness. And you know what happens? That spirit did infiltrates and gets inside of you morally and your mind starts shifting and you'll start calling right wrong and wrong right. That's why we need a deeper penetration. The word is doing this job, but you need to penetrate yourself from the inside out so God can block you, hallelujah, from these viruses and things that are going on in this world. Ah. Truth revealed, y'all. I love live TV. Many people go straight to live TV, and they, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, choreographed TV, and uh, they see something like this, say, he's drinking some water while he's preaching, I'm human. I'm only human, flesh and blood of man. And God uses natural people. We were on television, the sound people and the uh, production team would edit that out, but I like your live. So God wants us to understand that Makedish is about dedication. Makedish is about correcting defilements internally. Hollow. That's what Jesus said when he said you need to pray in Matthew 6. You should pray our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thank you, God. When God sanctifies you, he keeps you. He prepares you. He proclaims to you. He even purifies you and sanctifies you. Holy. That's through and through. As I wrap this around, I need to go to an Old Testament character and show you how powerful this this. This collaboration with God and us consecrate yourself Keep my decrees. I am the Lord and I and put them into practice and I will sanctify you. So you do what you're supposed to do and then he will do what he promised he will do. I want to look for a moment uh, at an Old Testament character by the name of Naaman. Naaman is his name. His name means pleasantness. His name means pleasantness. Not just because his name means pleasantness doesn't mean that he had a pleasant life. 
And I want somebody to get this because there are people who think, why would God do this to me? Or why would God allow me to hurt like this? God knew what I would feel. Well, hopefully as I talk about Naaman for a few minutes here, you're going to find yourself in the equation and let God not only heal you, but sanctify you. Holy. It's not just cleansing from sins, but it's cleansing from disappointments. He was a Syrian. I think about modern day Syria. Who's in conflict with the United States. He was a Syrian. Yet God. Which is now a Muslim country. He was a Syrian. Yet he's in the Bible. A commander of the armies. Of Bin Hadad. The second. A commander in the armies. Of King Bin Hadad. Hadad. The second. So he wasn't the total uh, monarch or the complete monarch or the highest ranking but he was a commander had a high rank in the army the Syrian army thank you God scripture calls him a great man remember his name means pleasant he was a great man with his master and highly respected in other words he had a great demeanor he's living true to his name but even though he's a valiant warrior, to be a warrior means he was able to kill his enemies. He was serious on the battlefield. Not like play play soldiers that kill everybody, shoot a thousand people, they don't get shot themselves. This man was hooking and jabbing. A valiant warrior. However, he's a leper. Let's look at 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 1. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man. This is 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 1. Chapter 5 and verse 1. It's on the screen now. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. And was a great man in sight of the master and highly regarded or respected because through him the Lord gave the king victory now some people like to claim victory but there are others the victory didn't come because you were bopping he put mighty men around you and I want to say to all of the mighty folk who are around me that makes my name cool in this community I am thankful for you I am grateful. I could not do this without mighty, valiant people who are around me. Now, when we get a victory, they're not going to call your name. Usually, they're going to call my name. Don't worry about that. Keep your head straight. When the Bulls won six championships, you hardly ever heard anything about Scottie Pittman. All you heard was the name Jordan. Jordan did it. Jordan won his six. Jordan and you got to get used to somebody calling somebody else's name even though you did the work. Don't let the devil mess up your head. That's just the way it is. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. Some of you leaving churches because they, they don't recognize your value. If you're not the one that's in charge, they're not supposed to. You're supposed to do it as unto the Lord. 
Believe I made and paid my dues. I know what time it is. But when you do it in secret, God will reward you openly. Do it as unto the Lord. Notice. In the sight of his master, he was highly regarded because through him, God had given victory to Aram. And he was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Today it's called the Hansen disease, which means he lost feeling in his body. He could be standing on the nail and not you look. I say, man, you're standing on glass. Oh, he could have his hand in fire. Oh, don't notice it until he see the smoke. That's how dangerous it is. And I've gone to Africa and saw people with leprosy in Africa. And they're walking around with three limbs because usually the limbs fall off. Even the extremities like noses and ears. You can't feel it get bit by a mosquito or something like that, not know, or get bitten by a dog and not know it, didn't feel it, or get bitten by a snake and not feel it. It's dangerous not to have feeling. And there are many people who need to get sanctified because you've lost the feeling. No matter what's going on, you only feel what you feel, no matter how the word goes forth. You're prone to feel and discuss the pain of what you're dealing with. And we need to get that sanctified. Oh, God, help me. Thank you, Jesus. There is life after pain. Even though you're pleasant and you have a great disposition, life is throwing you a few curveballs. Don't allow the handsome disease, disease spiritually to knock you out of your zone. The Bible says this in verse 2. Now bands from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel. He's a part of the Assyrian army. Bands from the Syrian army had t- gone into Israel and taken out a slave girl. They don't even call her name. She was taken from her family out of Israel and she became a slave of Naaman. Now I want you to think about this. The man has leprosy, but there's a girl that he's now in charge of who owns her. He owns her and she was snatched out of her homeland and brought to serve Naaman's wife. How do you think she felt? She didn't deserve that to be snatched out. To be put in a situation like this where she got to go and get water. She's got to take, take out uh, slop jars and, and do all of the things that slaves do. She's got to clean and she got to do all of that. Whatever her mistress tells her to do. And she can't say the wrong thing unless she's punished. And I don't even want to get into what the punishment was for Syrians. For Syrians who own the punishment that Syrians did to the captives. But believe me it was serious. But she looked out and saw her master named Naaman who had no feelings, but he was pleasant. Still had a good disposition and her heart went for the man, though he was her master. Look at what she says in verse 3. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria. 
He will cure him of his leprosy. Notice, she's insane. Now, if she was prone to pain or had leprosy herself and couldn't feel, she wouldn't have had compassion for the man. Though her situation is bad, it didn't change her disposition. Let me just say this. The girl was sanctified. She was sanctified even though she had shackles on her feet. She was sanctified. I wonder how many of us forsake sanctification because we're shackled in one other, one area. Or we forsake a good position, a disposition because we're locked down in another. Or we don't want to hang around nobody because we don't feel right within ourselves. There is a better life for you. We must be sanctified. She was even sanctified from having anger. For her slavery. She said if he could but get to the prophet in Samaria. He will cure him. And some of you are only a few miles. Away from your destiny and your healing. But God is not going to heal you. In that place that you're in. You're going to have to get up. And you're going to have to start moving toward God. You're going to have to separate yourself. Set yourself apart, consecrate yourself, and aim toward him. And when you do, he will sanctify you. Thank you, Lord. Let's look at verse 4. Naaman went to his master. He went to the king and told him what the girl from Israel had said. Guess what? He was desperate. By all means, his king told him, you can go. Some of us are so uh, hurt and we lack feeling so much. I'm not asking nobody for nothing. I can handle it myself. Not for Naaman. He was tired of being leprous. And if there's just a little hope, if that girl can see I have a need, maybe she's sharing with me good news or the gospel, the first evangelist in Syria. A slave girl. You don't even know why God has put you in the shackles or the situation you're in. I guarantee you it's somebody he wants to draw out of it. And if you just get beyond what you feel and what you see and start looking at Makadesh, he will cleanse you morally and ceremonially. Notice what the king says, by all means, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. I have authority. I have power. I will send a letter to the king of Israel to give you passage there. He respects me. So Naaman left. Look at the scripture. Talking with him. Taking with him ten talents of silver. Notice if I bring some gold. That's the only language he knew. If I bring some power. If I bring six thousand shackles. A lot of people like that. Oh my God. I like the gold. But there's something more. He thought he would buy it but there's a sanctification that your money came by ah Jesus I love the Lord he's already done it you can't buy sanctification you can't pay your way into purgatory he took with him ten he took with him ten talents of silver six thousand shekels of gold it's a powerful man. Ten 
sets of clothing. And the letter. Then he took it to the king of Israel. Read this. With the letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you. So that you may cure him of his leprosy. The king of Israel gets mad. Look at it. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter. He tore his clothes. Am I God? Can I kill and bring back a life? Alive? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? What did the girl say? I, listen, you got to get to the prophet. To the prophet, not the king. And some of us, we got the wrong message. We're going to the wrong person to sanctify us. If I can get in this particular group, if I can hang out with them, if I can change my folk, if I can let go of that, that ain't sanctification. You've got to learn how to flow with God. The message is very clear. You need to get specifically to Samaria to see the prophet. And when you do, if you believe the prophet, you will prosper. When you do, if you get with the prophet and his word, you will prosper. Sanctification will take place and you will be cured of this leprosy. Look at the word. Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel? The king is not even in the right mind. He's mad because the king of Syria is greater and mightier. He's trying to pick a quarrel so we can go to war. <coughs> Look at verse 8. When Elisha, the man of God, heard it, the one down in Samaria, that the king tore his clothes. He sent him this message. Why have you torn your clothes? Have the man come to me. Have the man to come to me. And I will know what there. That, and you will know that there's a prophet in Israel. So you can't do it because you don't have the signs and the wonders following you. But I got something for you. Let me do it. Something just happened in my mind. Hallelujah. Hopefully we're still on the internet because something is going on with my mind. But this message needs to go out to the world. So let's see if we can fix it or get me another mind. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elijah's house. But Elijah didn't come out and greet him with all of that gold and with all of that stuff. Here it comes. Elijah sent a messenger to say to him, go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored. Remember, separate yourself, set yourself apart and aim because God is holy. Do everything he decreed. Put it in the practice and I will sanctify you. That's the principle. Separate yourself from the from the refuge, aim at God, set your focus on him, then put everything he tells you to do, put it into practice, and you will see sanctification come just like a loving father. Notice, Naaman is high and mighty riding on his horse. All of a sudden, that's why pride is so dangerous. He's up there mighty and, and stands at the prophet's door, but the prophet don't come out. 
That's like you calling me, knocking on my door, I'm inside of my door, my office, and you knock on my door and I still don't say anything to you and you get mad. He didn't even answer. He did, I sent him an email. Oh, man. I, I, I tried to shake his hand. Look at him. He put on his pants like me. You don't even understand. God will hurt your feelings to get you healed. Which one are you going to go after? Your hurt feelings? Your hurt feelings or do you want to be whole? He stands at the door of the, of the prophet's house, but he doesn't come out. He sends his servant out. Tell him to go and get in the Jordan. And if you've ever been to the Jordan River, it's not pure. It's very murky and muddy. When I got down there, they said, you're going to be baptized in the Jordan. I said, this is the Jordan? It's very, you can't see the bottom. You can't see the bottom. When Naaman saw that, he said, what are you talking about? I came to be healed. I drove all these miles. I got all of this power. Remember, separate yourself. Consecrate yourself. Set yourself apart. Do whatever he told you. All of his decrees, obey them. And put them in the practice. And then I, the Lord your God, will sanctify you. Look at verse 11. But Naaman went away angry. Some of us got our worst condition and we still angry. I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abanon and Farfar or Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than the river he told me to go and dip in? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? Look at his reasoning. Human reasoning. Remember, just obey and put it in the practice. What God tells you to do and sanctification will come. So he turned and went off in a rage. Picked this horse up. Get out of here. And start taking off. Look at verse 13. Naaman's servants went to him and said, my father. Humility speaks to him, my father. Submission speaks to him, my father. The prophet had told you, if the prophet had told you to do something great, or some great, grandiose thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you to do something simple, like just dip, dip? You got a bad situation. Stop trying to figure it out. Dipping, be cleansed. And when humility spoke to him, when submission spoke to him, the scripture says, verse 14, so he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. Look at this. As the man of God said, and his flesh was restored and became clean. Like that of a young boy or child. The sanctification here, the cleansing, the restoration of his skin became like a little boy. He didn't even have battle scars. When he got back to Syria, they said, You look forever young. Where are the wrinkles? 
Where are the lines in your face? Do you mean to tell me God can sanctify you and restore your youth to a degree where people say, man, you look younger? Which means if you're unsanctified, you'll age faster. Sanctification renews your strength, brings your luster back, turns a raisin into a grape, turns a prune into a plum, turn your meanness and your rage back to pleasantness. In closing, God wants you and I to get back to his name. He's not trying to hurt you when he says sanctify yourselves. All he's saying is separate yourself, set yourself apart, aim at me, then obey everything that I told you, and I'll do the rest. When Naaman was cleansed, you know what he tried to do? He tried to give the prophet all of that gold. The prophet said, no, you can't buy this. Your heart still isn't right. You don't know the God of Israel. Now, if that was me, <laughs> I would have been very wealthy. Sit it right over there. That's why God had Elijah to do it. But I'm looking at the scriptures. We cannot allow people to buy sanctification. It's not for sale. It's a free gift from God if you do what he told you to do. I want you to know the name Makedesh from now on. It's a loving father that will cleanse an eight-year-old girl when she can't clean herself. Put her in the car and drive her home, change her clothes out, cover her, restore her to such a way that when she's 19, she doesn't remember it. She doesn't even remember the, is, the issue, just vaguely. What? Yeah. Oh, I forgot that. That's how powerful sanctification can be. It can wipe away the past. Ceremonially, morally, inwardly, so lovely and gently. Working with children. We're his children. So let him cleanse you up. Let him wash you whiter than snow. Consecrate. Separate yourself. Set yourself apart. Obey all of his decrees. For he is the Lord. Put them into practice. Whatever he tells you to do. Do exactly what he tells you to do. And he will sanctify you. Father, I thank you and I bless you for this moment. And I thank you for this word. This word that, that you gave me for this, your people. There are people who need a deeper, holistic washing. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for the proper engagement. Thank you, Lord, for the loving father washing his children. Jesus said, you're cleansed of the words that I've spoken.
even now, Father, there's a cleansing that's taking place as we set ourselves apart. Focus on you. Put everything you tell us into practice so you can do the cleansing. And we honor you for that. Touch every heart and every soul under the sound of my voice. And we will give you praise for what you're doing in the soul and in the heart. Immeasurable in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It has been a real joy to share the word of God with you. A special thank you to those who care for this ministry. No amount of financial support is too small. It is because of you this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation One. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.